Hey everybody, welcome back for another edition of the Club Cool Podcast. I am your host, Barrett Dudley, and today I am joined once again by Clayton Chambers. Clayton, good to have you back. What's going on? We're back, man. We're back and ready to rumble. Uh, both rocking, as you cannot see, our ALD swag in honor of uh, a certain someone securing the bag today. Which yeah, that's right. Through. That's right. Uh, no video, unfortunately. You can't see. Uh, you can't see the drip. But um, but we're repping. We're uh, we're we're supporting our our guy Teddy for uh, for what had to be a really big payday today. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, I mean. These kinds of, I feel like with fashion brands in general, it's always like a little cryptic and weird to know like fundraising rounds and valuations and like how much it's actually going to work out for the designer themselves. I think like with software companies and tech and startup, it's like a lot easier to predict and like understand people are so, so much more like open about sharing numbers and valuations and amounts and that kind of stuff. So like with fashion and stuff, it's, it's a little hard to know. I mean, I think we can get a little bit of a sense from the the LVMH website, but I'm sure there was, there was a, a decent chunk of change thrown at ALD, um, to propel their growth. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we, we haven't buried the lead here today, but, um, but today's podcast will revolve around a couple of pieces of fashion news. Um, that really have, have, uh, both of these things have, have kind of broken within the last 24 hours or so. Uh, and, uh, and, and the most notable one, of course, the one that we're referring to right, right up top here is that LVMH, the, uh, the gigantic fashion conglomerate that owns brands like Louis Vuitton and, you know, a dozen to two dozen to three dozen others that, that I won't even try to list off has acquired a minority stake in, uh, in a brand that, that you definitely have heard of us talk about, uh, Amelie Andor, ALD. And, um, man, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today because it's a big shoe to drop. It's, uh, it, it's, it means a lot and yet we don't really know how much it means. So we're, we're going to break it down for you a little bit. Uh, and then there's also some, some news about a, uh, another, an, you know, we got Teddy creative directing at, at New Balance. That's kind of a thing that these guys that start their own, own brands, it, it seems to be a, a, a role that they like to climb to is, is creative directing another larger bigger brand. Um, so there's some news on that front as well that we're going to get into, but, um, yeah, man, without further ado, let's, let's break this down here. So the, the, the headline here is that LVMH, their arm that they call luxury ventures bought a minority stake in Ame Mm -hmm. and, uh, luxury ventures just to, just to give you a little bit of context. This is, this is slightly different than LVMH proper straight up buying a brand or acquiring a majority stake the way that they did mm-hmm. Off-White last year, where they are folding a label kind of into their collection of brands and and standing as the majority owner with 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 essentially all of the say-so at that point. Um, Luxury Ventures is an arm that, and I'll just read, this is straight from their website. It has a, it, it has a, uh, let me make sure I'm reading the right thing. Yeah. Uh, they target minority investments in emerging B2C luxury brands with strong growth potential, as well as in B2B companies which support the digital transformation of the luxury sector and of the consumer goods industry in general. If you pop over to their pitch deck or their their website, um, they've also invested in Hodenkey, which is a uh, a watch blog, Mad Happy, which is a, an, another uh, a, it's a brand out of California that I'm actually not too familiar with. 
uh, Gabriella Hurst, which is a, a women's contemporary and, and designer line. And then you know, this was kind of this this got shadowed uh, by overshadowed by by the ALD news. But they also just invested in a company that I'd never heard of until today called Heat. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a it's it's a Gen Z focused mystery luxury mystery box company. <laughs> so we, we we could talk a little bit about that, but um, yeah. but yeah, let's we we'll, let's start with the LD thing. What do you, what are your instant reactions to to the news? Well, I think it's something that I think it's something that on the one hand we probably all saw coming on some level. If if you paid any attention to you know, emerging luxury world and any attention to ALD and know anything about LVMH and the sort of like clout and network effects they've been able to create with some of their different uh, portfolio brands and just the personality behind the Arnaud family who is sort of just running this luxury business. Um, Alexander Arnaud is the, the, one of the, one of the sons of Bernard, who is like the CEO, I think chair, chairperson, chair exec for LVMH. Um, All that to say, like, if you've been paying attention to any of this stuff, it shouldn't really come as a surprise on the one hand. And I think on the other hand, it it sort of exposes and probably highlights something that we probably don't give enough attention to, which is like actually how cool it is that an American brand is on the radar of – arguably one of like the greatest and, and most prestigious like luxury houses in the world. Uh, and not just on the radar, but like firmly at the center of the conversation for global expansion and that sort of thing. Like when you look at Caring Group and their portfolio of brands and you look at LVMH, like there's probably almost no American brands on that list. Right. And right. It's a lot of European part of, fashion. Yeah. I houses. think part, yeah, it's like, it's, it's all European houses, right? Like, these well-established fashion houses that come from those families who've been running them for generation after generation. And to see sort of this up and coming group of like sportswear, streetwear, um, prep and blend of all three of those kind of styles entering the conversation. Right. Um, it's just, it's just cool to see, like wh- whether you like ALD or not, it's, it's really cool to see that like there's a newer generation of designers and brands who catch the attention on an international level um, and, and luxury ventures, you know, as a part of LVMH to an extent is, is really, fo- I mean, they've been focused from the outset on American brands, right? So Houdinki, which was started by, um, by Ben Clymer, who uh, has sort of grown it from like a watch lovers blog into this like massive luxury brand, right. That now has like, um, not only like retail space, but like events arm, they've got um, authentication, you know, products that they're building around luxury watches and timepieces, like some collaborations that. with some watch brands too, I think. Right. Some, some solid collaborations. I mean, they're just like printing cash on that front. They did a huge, I think like $40 million round about a year and a half, two years ago, Tom Brady was in on it. Um, LVMH, uh, John Mayer, of course, like all of the watch heads, um, and then you've got Mad Happy, which um, they they got their investment. I want to say all, kind of almost around that time frame too, which they're kind of focusing on elevated streetwear stuff, lots of hoodies and tees, and like upscale sweats. Right, um, and right. they're also kind of 
fitting into this like mental health and wellness, like that's sort of their MO as part of the brand. Um, yeah, it looked so, like they they've invested in a in a beauty brand as well. Uh, yep, I noticed yep. is just as it, it's actually kind of a it, it's not a large portfolio, at least not um, the what what they have put on the website. But it is very uh, it's 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 diverse as far as what what they've invested in. You know, the one that they've exited is Stadium Goods. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's, yep. that's one where they 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 have resold and and made their their return, I take it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool to, to see a brand that, that we've, that we've followed for, for several years now, kind of like get this type type of come up. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed just on, on discords and reddits and, and just the, the, the chatter today was a lot of people being like, Oh, the prices keep, are going to keep going up. (laughs) And, um, yeah, but they were going to keep going up regardless. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> inflation was 7% year over year in, in November and, yeah. and the price of all consumer goods is it is on its way up. Th- this should, you know, we I think we're we're do, we're we're highlighting these kind of positive uh aspects of it. It's not going to change the day-to-day for ALD. And I don't think that anybody has to worry about like suddenly they're owned by, you know, the conglomerate that owns Louis Vuitton. And now the, the, they're they're not putting ALD on any type of track to become something right. that they're not, or or to start stretching into. To, they don't want it. They don't need it to, and they don't want it to. Right. Right. Like this is, you know, maybe on. I mean, I, I think they obviously see see the see a path to a, a profitable exit. Of I course. think they see um, the globalization of you know ALD and in, in the luxury market as an emerging luxury brand. Um, I, I almost think though, like. More, more of the risk is on them than it is for ALD. You know, like ALD is in a very comfortable position. They've, they've, I mean, who knows like what's going on internally at the company, but like from an outsider's perspective, it's like they've built this brand on, and this is sort of also why like I'm, I'm actually like pumped. I'm pumped about it for them. Like as just a, I try to look at this as like objectively as, as objectively as possible. Right. Like I'm pumped about it for them because I think it's going to help them grow up a little bit. It's going to help them mature as a brand. It's going to help them kind of find their footing on a global scale. You know, like they're almost eight years old and and to date they've sort of built much, if not all of their reputation and their clout off like hype and hype cycle and selling out of collections and working with up and coming brands and being the butt of memes and jokes and that sort of thing. And I think like we all kind of wonder like, are they moving towards being basic Are you know, and there's, there's certainly that conversation, I think, but yep. if you look at it from an objective standpoint and you're Teddy and you're like, how can I, how can I continue to legitimize myself as a brand? Um, take the, take the check, like take the check from LVMH, go invest it in, in like proper growth, but like growth in the right way for you and not just like all out blitz, you know, yeah. Retail yeah. stores and, you know, compromising the brand. And I think like, I just think like LVMH at the end of the day is like very like calculated. They're very like wise and sage like in the way that they maybe help and give guidance towards brands. And so I think like I could see them playing that kind of a role for ALD to help create, you know, um, an environment that'll help them like scale globally. Right. Cause yes. it's like, sure. You, you got your Mulberry street store, but you've never been in Japan. You don't know what, 
it's like to open stores in China. You don't like even know what it's like to open stores in Europe. So it's like, there's so many huge markets that like they haven't tapped into yet. And it'll just kind of be interesting to see them expand. Yeah. And, 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 and you started touching on, on what I think this means kind of in the, the near future, if not the immediate future, since we, we know that they are uh, opening a, a London flagship this year as well. But yeah, um, yeah this is, I, I think when it comes down to it, this is predominantly about expansion to, to global markets. Um, we, 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 we talk about ALD and we compare them a lot, like in the same breath as as Supreme, which is kind of the is a very obvious, uh, you know, like a what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's the it, th- that's what we're kind of comparing it to is is at the they're, end of twenty twenty like when, when VF yeah when VF acquired Supreme and like that that was their goal with Supreme is like they Supreme only had twelve retail stores we want to put them all across the globe we want to make we want to take what they have in the U S and and put it in every country that we possibly can. And so I think that's, that's what you'll, that's what you'll probably see here near future is, is the London shop getting off the ground and probably Paris after that, you mentioned Japan. I mean, these are, these are places that you kind of like that you need to be and opening these stores is not, is not cheap. It is extremely expensive. Um, and uh, you know, props to, to ALD for making it this long without like, you know, I know they had some investors, I believe Ronnie Feig of Kith was was potentially an initial guy mm-hmm. that that uh that that helped float them but yeah you need a lot of money to open these these global stores um and all these stores will need inventory as well which is again it's it's very 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 expensive so this is like you know this is this is the it type is, of infusion that allows them to to put those footprints down where they want to where yeah. they want to be for for that type of global growth yeah, it's. I mean, it's a huge operation, and I think you know, inventory itself is like what just one piece to this whole puzzle, but it's a really important one. And you know, when you think about to date, like they've been lucky to sell out of collections again, like just online um, or in store only. Like they've done specific collections where they're only selling in store, and I think like this will reframe how they think about inventory. You know, because. Um, again, like when you're playing the the hype cycle game and like, you can just live and die off of like selling out of stuff versus now you've got to actually plan for seasons ahead and no specific numbers. And then like, things are going to have to go on sale. Right. And like, you're going to hit different, like, um, economic environments, you know, where there might be a downturn one season or there's less like foot traffic or shopping, like COVID's fucked up a lot of stuff in this way. And I think it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's easier said than done. And so there'll be that whole side to it. But yeah, I mean, in, in general, like if I'm Teddy and I'm looking at like wanting to grow my brand, this is something that feels like it's my life's work. And I spent a lot of time building it and, you know, maybe I'm not looking for a payday or an exit just yet, but I know that I can get one if I want it. Like you got to take that next step and how are you going to take the next step without like, someone who, who, who understands someone or like an entity that understands how to help like grow and scale a business on the luxury market like that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we, we, we talk about the, the growth, which has a lot to do with the brick and mortars. And I feel like I'm seeing this quite a, quite a lot from, from, you know, other brands that live in this world as well, whether, you know, I just saw uh, Amiri just put down like a ginormous flagship in in mm-hmm. Shanghai, 
Uh, mm-hmm. John Elliott has been opening a bunch of stores domestically. They started with with uh, Los Angeles on Melrose Place, and then put a Soho shop in in New York, and uh, then opened Miami. Uh, and it's like I, I, it's a little weird though, right? That like that brick and mortars are seem to be the play for like a lot of these brands. Like you just, I don't know. You think about the last decade and like the yeah. migration to online shopping, and and you know brands like Ald that have literally pulled out of their wholesale accounts to to exclusively offer you know direct to their to their customers yeah. online and and through one small flagship but like do you like are, is do you think brick and mortar is is back despite everything or are these just like should we really be looking at them as as marketing budgets are these lost necessary loss leaders to like have your stamp in a place and be able to to show what you're about to, to, to provide any, like an experience for, you know, for people that can come in like ra- rather than like, like these, there's no way these stores are actually yeah. driving the bottom line. I think, I mean, I think it depends on the brand. It depends on the margins internally. And um, it's, it's probably a mixture of all those things. Right. So, you know, the, the brand, the brick and mortar for the brand is it's a brand equity builder in many ways, you know, whether you're making money or not. I mean, even thinking about Howler Bros and like what that's done for you guys to be on South Congress street or whatever other locations that you've got, right? Like that helps create this sense of like understanding for customers, right? Especially for tourists. Like when you think about the foot traffic that comes on South South Congress in Austin, it's immense. Like it probably does a crazy job for, for introducing you to new customers. Right. And maybe in some ways it's cheaper than like paying for paid ads yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> for the same customers on Facebook and Instagram. Um, because who knows if they're coming in groups or flocks of people and then maybe they meet, you know, the staff person who's really friendly and they end up buying a bunch of shit and then they just become repeat customers online. And you didn't know that because they bought their first, you know, piece on, in store. And so it's like, I, I think this is certainly, it's, it's probably always, you know, part of uh, a designer's, playbook to like have physical spaces that they can showcase their brand with. It just comes down to timing and money and where they can put that store and the availability of it. And, um, and again, like COVID fucked up a lot of stuff, you know, for, for a handful of years. And we're still honestly like seeing the repercussions of of that. I think we've probably in most States in the U S gotten to a point where, where stores are are just like accepting that this is the reality and like, you know, maybe if someone's like sick or whatever and they, you know, or they test positive, they're going to close the store down. But I just don't think like brands, they're just tired of like having to, to kind of shut down for this stuff. And they're like, how do we just sort of live with this? And so I think like, it'll be a wonky year on the retail front, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it would not surprise me if like, you know, retail, at least on a pop-up level, at the very least is, is, is a part of, you know, any kind of, you know, growing or. Yeah, no, you're, trend, you're right? exactly right. Like it, it, you know, I, I asked, I posed the question, but, but like you mentioned, like Howler is, is, um, is, is heavily invested in, in, in our store, which we opened on South Congress, uh, at, at towards the very beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020. And we just reopened our, our kind of original store in in Clarksville, and absolutely, like you're saying, like our our CEO, who's who's also the creative director and and kind of visionary of the brand, like these are opportunities for him to like lay down everything that the brand is about and really deliver yeah. that to to customers in in kind of one fell swoop. Um, and yeah. and and you know, 
we really could see a resurgence because our shops for for one have been successful despite everything oh, yeah. that's gone on so so once this really does like die down for in some type of permanent or semi permanent semi permanent way or become endemic or whatever it is that's going to happen like i do think that people will will look to be back out and and experiencing brands and then you just mentioned the the the, yeah. the exploration and discovery part of it which i think is you're getting into new territories is is really what this is all about you know you when 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 ald plops down in in london next to palace right like everybody that's familiar with palace over there is like going mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to get the full the full ald show as well and that's and that's that's what i imagine that that uh that will will drive some of this um you know further yeah. expansion i mean the, the the having been you know both to new york and london the past couple months like the retail scene in both of those cities is just booming. Yeah. Right. Like if you go, if you go to Williamsburg and pop over to North six, which I used to live in that neighborhood and spent a lot of time there. I used to work over there. Like, you know, just the, the consumer brands that are posting up and, and creating their own like flagship stores in this neighborhood is sort of creating like a second version of Soho. Right. Right it's obscene and the rent is crazy of course. Um, and the same thing is happening in London. If you go to Shoreditch, which is sort of like the Williamsburg of London, um, in many ways, very heavily gentrified, very like fast growing neighborhood. Um, I just read an article the other day, how they're building like huge luxury, uh, uh, sort of retail outpost and space that's going to like wipe out parts of brick lane, which like has long been like a huge Bangladeshi, like, restaurant alley row like if you ever been down brick lane in london it's like you get bombarded by like people just hustling trying to like invite you to their restaurant and right. stuff like that it's like they're going to take over parts of that street uh, to my knowledge and then just like create it as like a huge luxury space so now like all these brands are coming in here you got a lot of people with disposable income tourists if there's high rises coming in like um brick and mortar is gonna be huge for that stuff um are again, you, are you a brick and mortar happening. shopper you like going in the store um, I do. Yeah. I, I, I do from time to time. Uh, it kind of depends on the brand and if it's, it's kind of hard in Nashville. I think like there's, there's pretty limited access to good brands and products. So I'm sort of stuck with. Right. Right. Having to shop online and you know, there's, there's definitely the off chance that like I ordered a pair of trousers from this British brand called Sata, um, through like a Canadian retailer the other day. And I ordered a large cause I'm like, Oh, I've been usually measuring as a large and Turns out my ass is too big and I had to <laughs> ship them back and go for the extra large. And I'm like, that sucks. I got to ship them back to Canada, wait 10 days, probably yeah. takes another six days to get, it's just like a whole thing. So like, yeah, I mean, having brick and mortar is, is obviously invaluable for, you know, for many, many, I, I have felt, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I, I kind of feel like I, I totally, I, yeah, I love experiencing what a brand wants to show me or even, Going into a to a multi brand retailer, a couple you know we have a good one, couple of good ones here. Whether it's Stag or By George, it's nice yep. to to put your hands on stuff. But I I mean I have been like totally an, a a very very loyal online shopper, and I, recently I have been feeling really burned out with the sizing thing, like yeah. the not knowing. It's just hard. It's just hard, and I don't like I like. You know, I know this. It's an easy answer, just like oh, just buy two sizes. But not not all these places like even offer easy returns at this point. Yeah. You know, 
and I don't want to buy two sizes. That's annoying. And then because, you know, they're going to hold on to my money for a few weeks. Plus, I got to deal with shipping it back. And so I have I have felt, you know, I don't know if that's just part of like the the COVID melees of like having to do stuff online. But but it's definitely I don't know. It's just like a little inkling, a little a little little bubbling feeling that I have that that I have not felt annoyed by for the last several years. But like this year, I'm feeling kind of, you know, just turned off by. I, I, I feel that. I mean, I, I think, yeah, we, we're all sort of fatigued from online consumption anyways, yeah. which is something we can't get rid of now. <laughs> like we all just got to live with it, but it, it definitely is one of those things where like, I just, yeah, you kind of long to go into a store and try the shit on that you like and, you know, and, and for it to be available, I think is right. Yeah. The yeah. other key. So, yeah. I mean, there's definitely that. I, I also want to touch on one more thing too, with the ALD stuff back up with like the investment. And um, one of the things I've been thinking about is just kind of the forward thinking nature of LVMH, Alexander Arnault. Again, he's like, I think he's like 29 or something. He's, he's, he's a pretty young dude. His dad has him, he, he ran Ramoa. His dad now has him running Tiffany and co like this kid is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sort of just being groomed to be predecessor to his dad when he retires. Right. And um, I, I just think like one of the interesting things I noticed about uh, this, this ALD news is um, that I came across <laughs> ALD and their cafe Leon door also filed trademarks for the metaverse. I saw that. Yeah. Which was, was interesting to me because um, it kind of shows both, I guess on, on behalf, I mean, it's obviously fresh news. It looked like um, there was a photo of, of Teddy and the Arnos like meeting at Art Basel in Miami a couple months ago. So okay. it kind of seems like the deal came together relatively quickly. Everybody um, knows that I, deals just, you know, they happen at Art Art, Art Basel. That's where you go. <laughs> that's where you go when you, when you want to make, you would not believe days. the deal flow that I think comes <laughs> through those types of events, but it's, it's, it's pretty absurd. And yeah, like as of January early, you know, as of like last week, they had filed for trademarks for the metaverse. And so it kind of like points to me as like, I wouldn't be shocked as like more brands are coming and like branding themselves as metaverse first, which is sort of just what Gen Z gamers have been doing their whole lives. Anyways, yeah. like, I'll, I'll throw in there though, that while I, there's no question that, that people are, are gearing up for that and, and brands are, are, are poised and, and I think ready to, you know, if they're smart to, to be able to snap up more revenue there, but it's also a, prote- it's also, there's a protection aspect of it as well. Sure. Because yeah. it's it you want those trademarks, like it's crazy that we even have to say this, but like they're filing those trademarks in the metaverse so that somebody can't pop up in, in there and start slanging digital t shirts with Leondor on them. Digital and, coffees in the, in the right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now I will say just to, to tie it back to the to the try on conversation, I'm very anti metaverse. But if, mm. if, if, if Zuck can figure out a way to like m- allow me to try on clothes within the Oculus, then he might be onto something. Um, just to- Zuck, Zuck, if you're listening, figure <laughs> out the sizing chart bullshit. Cause that's, a, sucks, that's a free idea. Know? Zuck. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, just to, to put the finishing comments on this, this, um, this, this minority acquisition, the, the, the one thing that I was kind of like wondering about is like, I'm sure that if you walked in to ALD and you talked to Teddy or any other creative group or any, any member of their team, they're all super stoked on this and that they would tell you that this is the beginning of like the, the real rise, you know what I mean? But to, to some degree there is, they've, that this also like signals that they've reached a peak, that they've reached a zenith mm. of, of, and whatever, you know, whatever that might be. I, I don't know what, the, what to call it, whether they've you know, truly ascended to be the, you know, the number one, like 
streetwear brand for males 18 to 35 in the in the country or or if they've it just feels like they've fulfilled some piece some bit of their like destiny and so i think it's uh that that's kind of the 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 question that will linger is like whether the lvmh guidance can shepherd them to new heights or whether it's kind of a drop off as they Mm -hmm. as as they spread themselves a little bit thinner and so i Mm -hmm. you know i we, we we've seen it happen both ways, I, I think. But but I, I I hope like you were saying that they that they're able to really gain from from the connection from the partnership, whether that's you know supply chain and new factories and better mills and better economies of scale and and ability to to make more quicker at uh, at, at at higher quality or, or or what that might be. But it is it's it's definitely like a you know it's a it's a it's a landmark in their trajectory it's like this is this was the top of something i think does that make sense yeah i mean not to get too sentimental or or, or metaphorical but like it's it's a death and it's a birth you know at the yeah. same time there's 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 parts good of way it. To there's people people in the geneva chat um do this present newsletter today we're being like all right and we actually just had this discussion about ALD like a week or two ago where we, and we discussed this on the pod last week about like the a brands becoming basic. And we, and we kind of laid out Arcteryx versus Carhartt Whip versus ALD and who's sort of on that path the fastest. And, and funny enough, like <laughs> before this news came out, like the, the, the leader of the horse race was ALD, you know, like they're first in line to become basic. And so I think what that says to me is that um, there's a whole old guard of consumers and shoppers and early adopters and people who really sort of like came around the brand from that 2014 to 2017, 18, you know, timeframe, like they yep. felt like they were in the know on this brand. And I think, you know, it, they're, they're ALD is probably losing them as customers and that's okay. Cause like, there's a lot of people on the, on, on this planet and like there are a lot of people with different tastes and preferences. And, and that's just, that's also, I think the the bigger picture is like, that's also the nature of like what happens to your, to any brand that scales yes, yes, on any level. And I think Bobby, I mean, Bobby hundreds or the hundreds talks about this a lot in his, um, this is not a t-shirt book where he's like, you know, he sort of starts it out by saying like, he, he, he had this kid one day who like, was just like bitching at him in the DMS about some new collab they had done, I think with Adidas or something like that. And he sort of ended up like chatting with this kid over the DMS and like, he sort of got to the bottom of it. And, and the reality was that like the kid was just pissed. He's like, you guys sold out, like you compromised your values. You did this and that. And it's just like, you can't ever stop those things from happening. And so, yeah, in some, in some ways it's a death, but I think in some ways it's kind of like a new birth for them and, new opportunities, new markets on a global scale, new customers, whatever. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Man. Yeah. I, yeah. And you, you mentioned the kind of the, the, the early adopters of the brand, whether this like, you know, kind of can, turns them off potentially all the way or, or, or whether they're, um, you know, just more casual ab- about the, the relationship with the brand. And that, mm-hmm. it, that, that on, that's another interesting thing to see because like I had, when I first started paying attention to the brand at the end of 2017, I had a very casual relationship with it. I I liked following them. I thought they had great looks, great styles, and I would pick up a thing, pick up something here and there, you know, for a few seasons. And then it's like I, I don't know if it was 19 or 20 when like mm. majority of of drops were selling out, and it like 
it definitely turned on something in me. I, I was, I was more aware and I was more engaged and I was really, really anticipating and following drops. And it's like, it would be nice to, to go back to the old way, but, but, but that's the part that will really like, if I'm not able to be casual about it, then, then this does eventually kind of end right for, for, Mm -hmm. for maybe you and me and me and, and, and those of us that, that would, that would identify or put themselves in that same category. So that's, you know, cause we, we don't want things that are ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And while, while the chase is sometimes fun, it's not, it's not super, super sustainable <laughs> when you're busy and have other things that you like to pay attention to as well. Yeah, completely. I mean, the reality is though, like there's always going to be those new up and coming brands that are going to take ALD's yeah, place and, and that we're going to obsess over. Something will steal until, our attention. Yeah. 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 Until they hit that next inflection point and then we're going to hate them and then we're going to want the next person in line. And it's just, a never ending cycle. And this is uh this is the problem with our brains. Yeah. Well, but Hey, that's why this is fun. And, and that's why we love it. Um, all right, let's and, take a quick break. And, and the last thing too, sorry, is like clothing is so like, I saw someone talking about this earlier. It's like clothing is, is completely subjective, man. Like wearing, wearing clothing, liking brands, thinking, I mean, sure. There's a certain level of like taste and objectivity to it, but at the end of the day, it's like all subjective shit. And like for us to sort of make this a binary thing of like brand, this brand is right. This brand is wrong. This piece is cool. This piece sucks. Like in an objective way is, is to sort of see it in a one dimensional way. And I just don't think that that is like, that's just not how it works. So I, uh, yeah, we, we take, take that for what it, for what it's worth. No, totally. Totally. This, this is, I, I was uh, I was talking about this with some people. This is a podcast, and we have to give we have to give opinions and takes, right? <laughs> so we we you know if 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 we 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 have to be binary sometimes, otherwise mm-hmm. it's the most milk toast conversation ever, where we're just like, well, it's not good and it's not bad. How about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break and uh, hear from a sponsor, and and then we'll come back. Club Cool Fam listeners. Are your thoughts running in endless circles in your mind? Are you too stressed out? Right now, it's more important than ever to practice living healthier and having a happier life. So what if a few minutes was all it took to change your relationship with stress and anxiety, transforming your life for the better? Well, that's the power of meditation, especially with Headspace. So our thoughts can be confusing enough, but meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep all in one app, making it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. It's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world, proving that meditation works. A study proves that in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. Here's how I use Headspace. I'm all about the nighttime, Clayton. It's all about the sleep for me. So there's a bunch of different things you can do. They've got sleep podcasts, which just have the, you know, there's a, there's a selection of people with the most soothing voices in the world that basically just talk you to sleep. It's amazing. There's also, uh, if you if, if that's too distracting, they've just got water noises. I prefer the rain over the waves. It's got to be very, you know, very, very, uh, very solid. There's too much rhythm in the waves for me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rhythmic person. So it's just, I go for the rain over the waves. Um, and then there's all sorts of like, there's, there's music too. So whether you're kind of winding down at night or you're working during the day, there's, there's all sorts of music to choose from. I mean, there's literally like this app is so great because of its breadth, because of its, it's got so many options, like whatever it is that you need to kind of like 
tune in, tune in, tune, what is it? What do they say? Tune in, turn on, tune out. I botched that, but, but you get the gist. There, there is something here that will help you kind of relax, de-stress, you know, just kind of find your center and, and, and live happier and get that, get that good sleep that, that I know we all want. So how do you get this? Go to headspace.com slash club cool and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash club cool today. One more time, that's headspace.com slash club cool. Start feeling better, living happier, de-stress. Headspace.com slash club cool. All right, Clayton, we're back. Um, so I wanted to get to this kind of secondary news. Are, are you uh, you familiar with this guy, Ruigi Villasenor? He's the he started the brand Rude. Mm. I know we I know uh, the the prop, maybe our most kind of like our 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 di- our most divergent tastes is is I feel like where where you do like like some like some preppier and a little bit more uh, trad type stuff is where I kind of like kind of dance around in some of the 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 weirder NBA tunnel hype stuff. Um, <laughs> and and Rude is a brand that that has is. It's one of those brands. It's been really popular with NBA players and celebrities and rappers and Jay Z and whoever else. And Ruigi is a guy that I I follow on on social media. And what, what's always been most surprising to me about him is is how like this dude flexes more than any other designer I, I have ever seen. Like you know, he's driving around in in. Rolls Royce trucks and and mm-hmm. Maseratis and like has like Richard Mills and Audemars PJs and spends like fifteen thousand dollars on a bookshelf and like it's it is it's 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 wild and like you don't see this from anybody else whether it's yeah Jerry Lorenzo or Alessandro Michelle or any of these other guys that that you would think or maybe like ha- have a achieved a a higher level of success this guy's flexing all over the place. And uh, it was announced today that he is taken over as creative director for a brand called Bally. Mm-hmm. Bally is a is a designer brand that, for me personally, holds almost no cachet. I know about it. I know what it is, but like, it, it, I'll put it this way: when I'm when I'm looking through websites and I'm I'm selecting by brand what I want to look at, Bally does not get included. Yep. Um, and I just I'm I'm a little confused by by this this move just because it it just it doesn't seem like it's it's the right step for a guy that I know mm-hmm. thinks very like highly of his own brand and and the kind of the and and I take it is is very concerned with like the public perception of him as well. Um, and I know that this is like. It's just weird because this I, all these guys that 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 start brands, whether they're contemporary or streetwear or designer labels, like mm-hmm. this kind of seems like one of the one of the goals they all have, one of the infinity stones, if you will, that they're that they're out there collecting. Um, of course, yeah. You know, ca- securing that giant bag is is obviously top of the list, but becoming getting appointed creative director at a bigger, more well known brand like Teddy at at uh at new balance for example or virgil at louis vuitton like this is something that these guys also strive for and I, it feels like he just kind of like 
got the offer and was like, I have to take it <laughs> because I might not get another opportunity. Um, but just another, just another piece of news out there in the, in the fashion verse today that is, uh, kind of a head scratcher for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you never really know what's going on internally with these brands and you never know what the conversations are like with the designers they want to bring in and you don't know what the, the, the actual offer is or what they're getting paid or what's part of the deal. But like, you know, maybe it works out on some level. Maybe it feels a little desperate on another level. Who, who, who honestly knows? I think like if I'm looking at this from, from a very limited perspective of, of Ryuji, which, you know, is one that I have, I, I don't, I don't really know him or his work um, incredibly well. I obviously know like the sort of cultural imprint he leaves, you know, with his, his stuff with rude, which has yep. been like on fire across the board, especially like you mentioning, you know, across with celebrities and entertainers and athletes, like even, especially in the soccer world, like European footballers in England and Germany and like France, like anybody who has like some level of, of, of sense of taste and like is a sneaker collector yeah. and what's that sort of like new young luxury look like root is always like top of their yes closet. So I, I guess like if it's a head scratcher for you, maybe I understand it just from the perspective of like, huh, if it seems like everybody's fucking with his work, like why, why would you like, leave to then stretch your, you know, mental bandwidth and go focus on another brand. If it feels like your brand is already working and is already culturally tapped in. Right. And at the same time, maybe it also, maybe because of that fact, it's, it's what Bali wants in someone like Ruiji. Right. And, and maybe he can sort of bring that network effect and that network in general and um, sort of social clout to a brand that's, Again, like an old guard brand. I mean, this is a luxury house that's been around since 1851 before the Civil War. That's, I mean, yeah. See, like, I, like, and I understand so like, that it's, it's historical. Do we know anything about them? No, absolutely not. And again, <laughs> they're also Swiss. So, so maybe it's, you know, maybe there's sort of like a, a regional European understanding of what Bali represents maybe, as like a heritage brand in the same way that we would, you know, maybe understand like L.L. Bean, right? But like, or Abercrombie, right? Because Abercrombie's old too. But it's like, it kind of makes you wonder. Um, I don't know. Like, why would you leave to go focus on another, you know, um, another brand? I'll be a luxury fashion house. But maybe also for him, it's the challenge as well to be like, I'm going to put this brand on the map. Probably. Maybe, yeah. I definitely think that there's some, you know, some of that kind of like, shoulder, like, yeah, maybe. That, yeah, um, that, that kind of like that, that athlete mindset or, or, or just, you know, any, any ambitious person that's like, that that's, it's, it's a challenge. They want, they want to prove that they're the, they're the one that can turn the ship around. But yeah, but yeah it's just, I, I don't, I don't have any understanding, you know, like, w- like when Ricardo Tichy left Givenchy and then a little bit later, like went over to Burberry, that seemed like a weird move, but it was Burberry was, is also like a very, very like historical, powerful fashion label that like wanted to be made more modern. And I just don't have any sense that there was any type yeah. of like heyday for Bally, like the way there was for, for a brand like Burberry. So uh, it, maybe that's just my, my, I need to educate myself about like, like you clearly did. I had no idea it was around. It's been around for that long. That's, that's impressive. But, um, but yeah, do you, do you have, you mentioned like what some, what these jobs might entail financially. Do you have any idea what, like 
what these guys get paid for for doing jobs like this. Like, I I know there's probably a, a wide range because there's there's there there's stuff like Jerry Lorenzo taking over Adidas basketball, which I'm sure is like a very very consuming job as he reworks an entire department. But like Teddy doing New Balance, but like just the Made yeah. in USA line, like that's that's a little bit smaller of a bite to chew off, maybe. But and then and and, yeah. and then for something like this where you're becoming the creative director of a whole brand like that that does everything from footwear to accessories to to clothing like i just don't have a good sense of of a you know what the time commitment is especially when these guys are all running their own brands as well and b what the what the additional paycheck looks like like what the what the financial terms i mean would be if it I think with, um, I mean, I don't have any hard numbers, so I'm going to pull some of these out of my ass a little bit, but if I had to guess, um, and yeah, go for it. We love speculation here. So yeah, you know, all about the speculations. (laughs) Let's, um, let's try to figure out what our, what our neighbors are getting paid. Um, yes. (laughs) Brendan Babenzian from J crew, you know, like if we're creating benchmarks or tiers, right? Like my, my guess would be someone like him being and running J crew is somewhere, you know, close to like mid six figures. Okay. Right. So in that maybe 350 to 500 K a year minimum. Right. And yeah. then there's probably bonuses on top of that. And they're going to pay for and take care of all sorts of things that, you know, make it easier and comfortable and whatever. Um, if we're going to go, maybe go up a notch, I would, I'd probably put Teddy in that same bucket with yeah. the like new balance stuff, you know, maybe Jerry Lorenzo is a little bit higher in that. So maybe he's in this, you know, five to 750 range, um, you know, for, for his stuff at Adidas. And and then when you kind of go to the, go to Europe, like it, it, it I think, ju- I think you jump, um, a few more rungs on that ladder. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if these designers from European houses, whether, whether you're Virgil or Matt Williams, you know, from Givenchy now, you know, who, who also came from Kanye's posse or your, like wh- whoever it is, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like low six fi- or sorry, low seven figures. So, you know, at the, at the very least making a mil, a million a year. Um, and if to, that's, to if that's the case, then this, then this is, this makes way more sense. You know, if, if this is. Yeah. Cause if, it's just a different ball game that's, you know, huge brands, bigger budgets, like very heritage. Like there's, they put a lot of, you know, into that. And then I'm sure by seniority, obviously like you probably get paid even more. So someone like, um, Alessandro Michel from, from Gucci, you know, like he's probably, he's probably making even more than that. That has know? to be a seven figure um, job, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they just, yeah, they're, they're, they're crushing. So I, I don't think it's, you know, they're not skimping on these, on these deals. So, but who uh, knows? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I appreciate the speculation. I, I, I think that's helpful to kind of, to kind of yeah. frame why these guys might take a job that, that doesn't totally. sound as sexy as, as some others. And the reality yeah. is like, if you can take your salary from, you know, a company over in Europe and you're going to keep growing and scaling your brand and you don't got to pull from that piggy bank, you know, totally, totally. Yeah. It makes, it makes sense. I understand it. Um, so who, who knows what, you know, is going on internally, but I think like, yeah, to probably put the nail in the coffin, he's, he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He, he wants to prove himself. Um, who knows if it was the only offer on the table, if his other like interest too. So yeah. 
So we we've got uh, we've got a list of guys here, and you added some good ones that that I hadn't thought about um, that feel like they're primed to to make this addition to their to their CV as well. Um, you know, get some some designers or, or heads of brands that that haven't taken a job, a creative director job at at you know at a, an an adjacent fashion house or or larger brand or, or, you know, something that makes sense for them. Mm. Um, so, uh, three big ones that are on here that, that feel like they make a ton of sense for somebody to snatch up. Salehi Benberry, who I believe did what, you know, he was designing footwear at Versace. I think he has left that job now. So now he's just got his well, hand. He's, he's doing, he's, he's kind of like, he's kind of hovering that free agent stuff. He is he totally. The, and did, it seems to be working for him, but you, but I, I'm, I'm, he feels like a guy that is just waiting for a huge offer to well he actually um i, I think he he actually he's he's taken right now he's he's doing he's doing shit with um with lebron and uninterrupted okay all right out in la so lebron has lebron has these two um entities um like media conglomerate style entities or whatever they're investing in like film and art and culture and music and whatever and um, one's called one's called Spring Hill, and the other is called uh, Uninterrupted. And right. so, Uninterrupted is, you know, kind of big like overtime, overtime ball is life type vibes. Like some of those 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 accounts on um, on IG that repost stuff. Um, but there's also a lifestyle element too. And I think Salehi got. I mean, he he did get appointed, and it was announced like last like late October of last year. Okay. Um, so he's, he's kind of doing shit. John Elliott is another one. I think, yeah, you threw on this list. The, I, I want to say he's done something with someone in the past, but I can't remember who it is. I feel very surprised that he has not taken on a role like this. And, you know, may, maybe he, maybe his brand reached the point that, mm. that it's not actually, you know, maybe it's, maybe John Elliott is already like perceived as, as being in a tier where he's, he actually does not have the bandwidth to go, to go do something else, um, which, yeah. Uh, but, but, but he seems like a, a guy that, that could be up for, for some type of, you know, head of something. He, he, he has worked with, uh, with Nike quite a bit. That might be what you're okay. thinking of. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He has. Um, you put Reese Cooper on here. Another, another very, very good one. Another guy that, that seems prime to, to. I think he needs a little more time. Honestly, probably he's, he's pretty he young. Stuff out. But I could see it. I could certainly see it um, in the future yeah. for sure. Then that seems uh, he like one of the things that was always interesting to me about Reese Cooper is how quickly it was like on the runway, basically, and like showing yeah. at fashion weeks. Um, but but I could I could totally see him at, you know, yeah. Uh, really anywhere. I mean, as, as so, something as big as Gucci, honestly, uh, you got Pyre Moss on here, Telfar Clemens. And then, uh, a, an interesting one is, is Tyler, the creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pierre Moss is currently, uh, he's doing Reebok shit. He's, he's doing the Reebok stuff right now. I yep. think, yep. I think he's still, I think he's still tied up with that. So he's, he's, he's already scooped, but I could see him probably shifting and going some other stuff eventually. Um, Telfar, I think he's working on, I think, I think Telfar's working on his own stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the bags are, are, are a giant, giant deal. So that he's another one where it's like, yeah, he's crushing on the bags. He he might, he might not, not have, have room for this. Um, 
Yeah. D- I, the, and, the, the, Tyler is interesting because I, I, I feel like he needs a little bit more of like the, not necessarily the experience, but just, I need to see more like physical product from him. I feel like. Yeah. You know, cause pr- well, primarily yeah. I, I feel like, like what has, has kind of made its way in, in, you know, in front of us is, is the converse collaboration. And then a lot of like, almost like goofy neo prep subversive skate influence type stuff. And so I know with this, the, the, the relaunch of, of golf, the floor with, with, uh, at a little bit of a, of a higher price point and a little bit more, um, yeah. you know, just kind of put together overall, like that's, that's a great start. And I, I, I do think that he's, he's kind of following in those Kanye ish footsteps of, of, uh, of becoming a really successful creator beyond, beyond music. So. I mean, Tyler for me is just one of those, he's just like a multi-dimensional person. He, 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 he sees stuff in different colors and paints in different colors and sees stuff that you just can't kind of pick out. And, um, he, yeah, he, he's got the 30,000 foot view in my, in my opinion. Right. So like from styling and content creation to, um, his music and the production of it and the, the album rollout and the way that he wants to tease these collections. And then he's got golf, golf wing, golf LaFleur, like these brand, like he's just, and he's surrounding himself with like all the right people. I, I like the reason I put it out there is like, sure. Yeah. He's young and, and maybe he could, if we're looking at things on paper, mm-hmm. you know, could prove himself out a little more or whatever. I just think like he, he, to me could make, he could be the exception to the rule here. Where like I wouldn't be surprised if an LVMH, you know, or a caring group came to him with some kind of opportunity and said, Hey, we'll, we'll invest in this. Hey, yeah. we want you to come on and run run this stuff. Like when you look at his album drop last year and just the way that he teased the whole thing out, like that to me was just like this dude is dialed in. It's just not like he's not he's not on autopilot letting his managers run shit and he just shows up to the whatever. Like this was his brainchild. This was his thing, top to bottom, soup to nuts. Same thing with the golf floor stuff. Like he's a, he is a creative visionary and I think he deserves, I think he deserves a lot more credit than a lot of people probably give him um, for the content that he creates, the art he creates. Um, and he also like maybe similar to Rigi and, 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 the, and the Kanye stuff just like has a chip on his shoulder. I think he really has like something he, he wants to prove and wants to make known. And the dude is only, how, how old is Tyler? I'm going to look this up here gotta be your twenties. No, he's 30 years old. So he, he just turned 30. So like when you look at where Kanye was, if we're looking trajectory, you know, Kanye's in his early forties, if, you know, 10 years ago was at Paris fashion week, you know, with that big moment where he, you know, showed up at the shows, Virgil was with him when Virgil was like 28 and yeah. they ended up, being, <laughs> they got the Fendi internship. Like that was their first thing, you right, know? And, right. And, yeah. Yeah, Kanye even, had his music, but Kanye, like culturally, it was just a different time, even 10 years back. And I think like Tyler's in a different, a completely different world. You know, as a 30 year old, he's, he's accomplished more than, than most people would ever dream of and more than most, all of us would ever dream of. And I think like he's looking for that next thing. So that that's kind of my argument for, for I'm, him. I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's a, he's, he's a guy to watch over the next decade. Um, just really whatever he wants to do, whatever endeavor he, he has, you know, creatively or, or otherwise, I think mm-hmm. it's, um, 
at the very least it will be interesting and and uh and and worthwhile so uh yeah yeah it's a good list benberry for sure Midas touch right now um so we'll it would be interesting to see what what happens with him over the next several years uh and yeah all these guys great great kind of getting established or or up and coming names to to be on the lookout for Clayton, any final thoughts today? We're, we're, we're about at time, so we can wrap it up here. No, Go. man, I had a good time. This was, um, this was another fun sash where we just, you know, get to unpack shit that we want to talk about. And, um, I'm looking forward to bringing some other people on eventually where we can, we can have a deep conversation and we can totally. get different perspectives. We can dig into stories and things like that. Um, there's just, yeah, it's, it's early on, but there's just so many different content ideas that I have for, for, for us as we kind of continue building and evolving and growing this, this, this mother effing pod. So definitely just excited, excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you once again, go check out Clayton's Spreza newsletter at Spreza.xyz. That's S P R E Z Z A dot X Y Z. Follow along with the podcast on Instagram at Club Cool Pod. You can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Club Cool. And thank you to our sponsor today, Headspace, the Headspace app. Kind of stumbled over that read, but the, I, I, I promise I use Headspace every day. It's, it's, it's a very, very um, nice part of, 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 uh, of the way I end my night. So, so give them a look as well. That's headspace.com slash Club Cool. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Give us your feedback wherever you're following us, and um, and we'll be back with more great content very soon. See Later. you next week. Ciao. Welcome to the club.